Welcome to the Landmark Church Weekly Podcast. We're in a series right now. Our sermon honestly has nothing to do with Mother's Day. We're in a series right now called The Resurrected Life. And I want to preach to you from Colossians chapter 3, very familiar part of Scripture. If you were raised in the generation in the churches I was raised in, we took scripture and we sang them. And this is one of those that we sang all the time. And I remember this, I, I, can, I can quote it because I grew up singing it. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. If you were then raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you today that you have come, that we may have life and life more abundantly. So Father, today as we listen to your word, may our lives be challenged and changed. May we understand what it means to live the life you have called us to live. We just thank you for this time together. In Christ's name we pray, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Turn around, look look at somebody and say, Jesus loves you and I'm trying, and you may be seated. (laughs) Before I became the pastor of Landmark Church, I worked for a ministry called Evangelism USA, and we put on church planning conferences and different things, and, and, and while I was there, uh, two different occasions, we took groups to Brooklyn, New York, and more specifically to the Bushwick uh, community of, of Brooklyn, New York, to visit what at the time was called the world's largest Sunday school. Um, it was Metro Ministries, but it, they, they ministered to kids on Saturday, specifically indoors and then outdoors during the week. So they would literally have these giant bus routes, and they would bus kids in on Saturday and minister to thousands of kids at diff- several different services on Saturday. And then during the week, you would go out to these places, and they literally called them the projects. That's what the people that lived there called it. It was these high-rise buildings, apartments, and in between was kind of a little park area, a wide-open area. And they would take a bus that had, or a van that had a, um, a stage that would come out, and they would set it up, and the kids would come and sit down, and they would have what they called sidewalk Sunday school. And they would have Sunday school there and minister to the kids. So we went out with them to minister. Now before we went, they gave all of us a t-shirt that said Metro Ministries. I'm, I still have the shirt at home because um, it was known for a while as Yogi Bear Sunday School because it had that kind of, um, Yogi Bear was kind of the mascot. And so I've still got the shirt. They said, wear this shirt at all times when you're out. So we get out there and I, I see, you know, I'm kind of nervous. I, I, at that time, I'd only been in New York City one time, and I don't know what to expect. You watch, you know, if you watch Law and Order at all, you're scared to death out there. And so I don't know what's going to happen, and I'm looking around, and then I saw some things that you see in the movies. There was literally this one man walking back and forth, I'll never forget, with this giant dog. Um, that was just this muscular husky dog and it was on a chain and I don't mean a leash I mean a literal chain and he's walking back and forth with this thing and I'm you know you're trying not to stare because you're kind of looking but you don't want them to look at you and then to come after you or anything so you're kind of looking nervously and I asked one of the workers I said how do you feel safe out here what what do you do And and they and they looked and they said see that guy over there they pointed him out to me I sure do they said he's a local drug dealer I said that's good enough thank you I'm I'm really scared but they said you know what that man grew up in our Sunday school we've been doing this 20 something years he grew up coming to this 
And he will protect this ministry with his life. And they said, as long as you've got the shirt on, as long as you're with us, you're good. You're protected. This neighborhood loves what we do, and they will protect us. As long as you got the shirt and you're with us. And then, then one of the ladies said, i got to go to the bathroom. Well, there's nowhere to go, so we had to go find a place to go. So several of us said, we'll just go too. So we decided to walk. So we're walking to the restroom. Same kind of thing. I'm looking around. You know, what's going to happen? And they said, don't worry. You're with us. And as long as you're with us, you're protected. We're good. People look out for us. You're with us. Now, Paul, in Colossians chapter 3, is writing to the church at Colossae. And I found out some interesting things that I don't remember. They probably taught me this in Bible college, but it's been 20-something years ago. But the, but the thing about Paul is he's actually writing to a church to a place he's never been. He's been to that area, but Paul, more than likely, did not start the church at Colossae. He, started, he was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. And while he was there, a man by the name of Ephraim, or Epaphras, excuse me, Epaphras gets saved. And he becomes a disciple of Paul. And he goes to Colossae, and he starts the church among Gentiles. And he starts this church, everything's going good, the church is growing, and then all of a sudden, false teachers begin to come in, and they begin to say, you're doing it all wrong. You're not living for Christ the way you're called to live for Christ. And so then Paphrium goes to Rome where Paul is in prison and he's like, Paul, I got a problem. I started this church like you taught us to. I've got disciples, but they're believing the wrong things. What do we do? So Paul sits down in the prison in Rome and he writes the letter to the Colossians telling them what it means to live for Christ. So in chapter one, if you read Colossians, I encourage you a beautiful book. I encourage you to read it. It won't take you very long. Chapter one, he talks about the beautiful preeminence of Christ that Christ is above all things. In chapter 2, he talks about what Christ has done for us, that he has nailed our sins to the cross. He has taken away all those things that were against us, and he has defeated the cosmic powers that were trying to come against us. And so then now, Paul comes to chapter 3, and he writes these words, If you then be risen with Christ. The word if there really should say this because this is what it means in our English language. Since you have been raised to life with Christ. Since. In other words, Paul said, you've already believed, you've already accepted, now realize that your life is different. Now you are not by yourself, you are with Christ. And listen to me, when you're in a place that is scary, when you're in a place that is fearful, when you're in a place where things around you look like it could go a million different ways, knowing you are with Christ makes all the difference in the world. Amen? I knew I was with Metro Ministry so I could walk a little bit better. I didn't walk around scared. I knew who I was with. And when you know you have been raised to life with Christ, you are with Him. Here's what that means. When Christ walked out of that grave, you can walk out of your sin. You can walk out of your shame and out of your guilt. It doesn't have to hold you back any longer because you are with Christ. Amen? You are seated with him in heavenly places. You are not the same any longer. And when I realized that, Paul says, since you have been raised to life with Christ, you are with him. And then Paul gives us three marks. This morning, I want to talk to you about these three marks of a resurrected life. Three marks of a resurrected life. If you're with me in awake, say amen. amen. If your neighbor didn't say amen, elbow them, make sure they're still awake. Number one. Resurrected people seek the right things. Resurrected people seek 
the right things. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Whenever God changes you, why is this important? Because I said it last week, that the resurrection is not something we just celebrate on Easter. It's not something that we celebrate on Sundays. It's not something that just changes our Sundays. Listen to me. My friend Randy over here said this to me for many years now, that it's easy to be a Christian sitting in the seats right now. Okay? Your biggest temptation is to go to sleep right now. You understand that? Like, it's easy to say no to temptation right here. But when you walk out those doors, what does life look like? When you walk out there, the devil will sit outside the door waiting on you. You understand that? When you walk out those doors, he's fine with you sitting in here just listening to something. But does it change your life when you walk outside here? Does it change things whenever you live? And I, we believe at Landmark Church, the resurrection changes, I said last week, it changes our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because he rose again. And now, as resurrected people, we are seeking after the right Things. Isaiah said it this way in Isaiah 55, 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found. When you say, Pastor, can I seek him at any time? I, I, I believe that, but I also believe there's times that he is near. And when he's near, you call out to him like never before. Whenever the Bible says in the New Testament that Jesus goes to the man at the pool of Bethesda and he said the waters are being troubled and Jesus shows up to let the man know that, you know what, you don't need those waters, you need me. I'm the one that can change everything. And listen, when Jesus shows up, up everything is different and we need to seek him and call out to him while he is near while he is ready while he is moving and I want you to know today whenever you begin to be a resurrected person you seek after the right things amen Jesus said it this way blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness I love the promises of the Bible for it doesn't say they might maybe they ought to be for they shall be it is a promise. When you seek after the right things, you will receive the right things. Understand that. If you seek after the right things, you will receive the right things. And when you seek after righteousness and truth, when you seek after the Lord, you will be found by Him and He will fill you with the right things. So because you have been resurrected with Christ, seek those things which are above. Stop seeking the things of this world. Listen, some of us live for the things around us. If I can just have that that house that everybody else has got, if I can just have that car that everybody else has got, if I can just have that job everybody else has got, listen to me, that person in that house, in that car may be more miserable than you are right now. Because seeking after things doesn't fill you. But whenever you begin to seek after him, I said this a few weeks ago at church, but Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will follow after that. But you seek after him first. And resurrected people seek after the right things. Amen? Number two, resurrected people set their affections in the right places. Paul says, set your affections on things above. Or, as this translation, a lot of translations says, set your minds on things above. It's not just what you seek after, but it's also what you think about. Do you realize your thought life will determine your actions many times? Here's the thing, before I picked up this Bible a minute ago, my brain had to think, Justin, go pick up that Bible. And somewhere up here, I don't know how this works, whatever kind of brain I've got up here, I got hit in the head of the golf ball one time when I was 18 years old, 
And I, blood squirting everywhere. I'm freaking out. I mean, literally, if it hit me here, it would have killed me. It got hit right here. And uh, I was just funny. When I was home the other day, I saw the cousin of the, of the guy that hit me. And I said, your cousin almost killed me when I was 18. But I remember blood squirting everywhere. And we're in a little town in Mississippi. I don't even know. It was Collins. And we weren't even close to home. We'd driven there just to play golf. I'm on the 18th hole. And the funny thing was, I go to look for my ball. And my dad said, get out of the way before you get hit. I go back here. And then I get hit with a golf ball. If I'd stayed down there, I'd have been fine. But... Anyway, I go, I go to uh, the, little, the little nurse practitioner there, that little hospital they had, and he, was, he sewed me up. I forgot I had a skull there, and I'm laying there dazed and scared, and I said, Doc, can you see my brain? And he said, no, I don't have a microscope on me today. I said, okay, thank you. So whatever's going on up here, it's not much, but I do know this, it shoots ideas, neurons, whatever it is, it shoots things to my hands that says, go and pick up that Bible, go pick it up. It, it says what to do before I do it. Here's the problem, most of the time, the battle in our life is not just the battle of our wheels, it's the battle of this gray matter between your ears. It is the battlefield of the mind, it is right there. If you can get this thing figured out, if you can begin to work, that's why Paul says in Romans 12 to renew your mind. Don't live according to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind because your mind has to begin to think the right things. Resurrected people think the right kinds of things. They have the right kinds of thoughts. They're not thinking about terrible things all the time. They're not thinking about bad things all the time. They began to think about the right things. Amen? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says this, while we do not, verse 18, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We have to begin to set our minds on eternal things. What is it in my life that is eternal? How can I make an eternal impact? How can I, I'm not saying we don't live for certain things in life. I, I like having fun like anybody else. But ultimately, what are our priorities. Listen, we live in a fast-paced world where right now there's always something going on, always. We want everything instantly. Literally yesterday, I'm in the car with the boys, once again by myself. I said this on Facebook. When I was a kid, when we had church potlucks, we let the elderly and people with kids go first. We need that idea in fast food. Okay? If you're elderly and you can decide what age that is, and you got small kids, they should have a lane just for you that you get to go through. And if somebody else goes through that lane, they say, nope, start all over, get around to the back, and start over. The truth is, though, this. I mean, all of a sudden, we, we want everything instantly. We want everything now. They even have these gross things called instant grits. That's nasty and disgusting. Some things were created and meant to take time to develop. I was listening to a podcast just this week about a guy from, from Louisiana. He loves to make a roux for his jambalaya or for his um, gumbo. And he said this. He said a good roux takes all day long because people gather around the kitchen. And they'll come and go and talk and spend time together. And it will take hours to do because people walk in and stir the pot and have a conversation. And they come in and check it and they talk. We don't live in that society anymore. We want everything right now. We want everything instantly. And we set our minds and our priorities are on the wrong things. Our priorities are on how can I get things done? How can I get all this stuff done? And listen to me, one of these days you will wake up. And I know life happens quickly. My joke right now is people say blink and your kids will be older. And I'm over there 
doing this, and it's not working. It's not working, okay? My eyes are hurting. They're still wanting me to take care of them right now. But the truth is, life does happen quickly. And you wake up one day, and my question is, are your priorities in the right places? Are you living for things that are eternal, or are you living for things that are temporary? The old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Why? Because you're setting your eyes on the right things. You're looking at eternal things. One of the things about Mother's Day, and once again, I don't mean just natural moms, but women in general that pour into other people. You are making an eternal impact. I am the product of a praying mama. I thought about this morning. As I woke up this morning, I thought about the fact my mom used to tell me, Justin, I prayed for your school teacher before you ever went to school. I thought after I got there, they really needed prayer. But you pray, I'm glad you prayed for them. But she prayed about who my teacher was going to be. She prayed who my spouse was going to be one day. She prayed these things long before they ever came into existence. She was already sending prayers out about those things. That is making an eternal impact. And in our lives, are our priorities on what we can get right now, what we can get our hands on now, or are our affections, our minds on eternal things? Does it really matter in the end? Does this matter with eternal value? Or are we just trying to make Make it through all of these things. And when you get your priorities out of line, then all of a sudden loving and serving and making a difference take a back burner because you've got to get all this stuff accomplished. And listen, these things will not matter, but the fact that you love and you serve and you care, those are eternal things that will make eternal values. Amen? So resurrected people, number one, they seek the right things. Number two, they set their affections in the right places. And then number three, resurrected people have crucified the right areas. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your affection, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Listen to me, before a resurrection can ever take place, there must be a crucifixion. Before you can be resurrected, you got to be crucified. And that's why the Apostle Paul says in Galatians, the scripture, you know, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am crucified. The cross is a lot bigger than you realize because you know what there's room up there for? There's room for Jesus, but there's also room for you up there because you have been crucified with Christ. And listen, we believe in living the resurrected life, but we also believe in living the crucified life. And you know what areas of your life you're called to crucify? All of them. You're called to realize you are dead and your life is here with Christ in God. Warren Wiersbe tells a story, and I love this. There was two sisters that were just pretty wild in their lifestyle. And everybody wanted them at the parties. They were the fun girls. And they were known for their wild living. They both go to church one day and they get saved and their life changes. Soon after they get a message, hey, we're having a party, won't you come? And I love their response. It was kind and true. Here's what they said. Thank you for the invitation. Sorry if you haven't heard, we recently died. We recently died. I love that. 
What they're saying is this, I'm not alive anymore. We're not the same people we used to be. Thank you for thinking of us, but I'm dead. I am dead to my flesh. I'm dead to myself. I am dead to all those things. It is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So in other words, I don't get to say anymore. Dead people, listen, I've done nine or ten funerals this year, and not one of them have ever said anything to me from the casket. Dead people don't get an opinion. But you know what? How many times do you let your flesh get an opinion? How many times do you let your crucified self speak up and say, Hey, why are you doing that? Let's go have some fun. Let's go over there and do that. Some of you need to text some people sometimes. Whenever they call you up and they say, Do you want to go do these things? Do you need some of that stuff I used to give you? Do you need to go with us to this place? And you need to say, Sorry, sorry you didn't get the news. Sorry you weren't at the funeral, but I died a few weeks ago. I'm not alive anymore. This is Christ living in me. He gets to say so. He gets to say what I do. It's not about me anymore. It is about Jesus Christ living in me and through me. And because of that, I have been crucified. My old man is dead. And now I am resurrected to a new life. My priorities are different. What I want to do is different. Everything about my life is different. I am seeking the right things. My mind's on the right things. Because I am going after God. Because I have been resurrected to new life. Amen. That is good news. And the good news is we're called to live differently. We're called to live differently. Listen, I say this all the time, but I think we're, because of the way a lot of us grew up in, 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 in some legalistic settings, we're scared of going that direction. But listen to me, if we're not careful, we have slid the other way. The world needs to know you are different. The world needs to know that if you show up, they can't joke about the same things they joke with about it with everybody else. The world needs to know you're not going to play that kind of game and you're not going to do things wrong and you're a business person that's going to do the right things and you're not going to undercut somebody just so you get a little, a bit, little bit more money on the top. You are going to live with integrity and character. The world needs to know whenever we show up, all of a sudden as Christians, we're not listening. If you know me, I love to have fun, okay? I love to have fun. Sometimes, I'll be honest, I'm 41 and I act like an eighth grader. I can be immature sometimes. Because I like to have a good time, and I can be the, the silly one making jokes when I'm supposed to be serious, and I get that, okay? But here's the thing. I want people to know I, I can enjoy life. I can have just as much fun as you have, but I'm still going to live for him. I'm still going to live with character and integrity. I'm still going to do the right thing. I'm still going to be who God's called me to be. Let's have fun doing it, but let's realize the world needs that. The world needs to know there's people that still care about what it means to live for Christ. And I promise you in the moment, they may make fun of you. They may call you all kinds of names, but I promise you secretly when they, when they walk away, way they there's something inside of them that is telling them i wish i had the kind of bravery and the kind of spirit to be able to say that the kind of courage to be able to say to people what you're saying because you are living for christ we are called to realize we have been crucified our old man doesn't get a say any longer and now we are living the life god has called us to live amen i say this a lot I know I say it on Wednesday nights, but I tell our Hope Center all the time and the guys at Rob's Ranch that my prayer is when you leave these programs that your family doesn't hardly recognize you any longer because they realize, man, there's something different about your life. And what is it? That you found hope and you found peace 
and you found joy that you never could find before. It is found in Jesus. And when you find those things, you realize, I don't need that old man. He is dead. He doesn't get a say any longer. And I am crucified with Christ. Amen? Well, the worship team join me. Here's what Paul says at the end of that. Since you've been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your affection, set your minds on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead, but listen to these words, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Your life is hid with Christ in God. It's the same kind of image that, that John uses when Jesus prays a prayer over us and he says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in me, if, if you want to know what it means to live, abide in my word, abide in me. And apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know what some of you are thinking. Well, pastor, I lived a long time without knowing Jesus. What do you mean apart from me? Listen to me. Here's what it means. Apart from the Lord, you will never be able to live the life you're called to live and to say no to the temptations you're called to say no to unless you have the Lord giving you strength to be able to make it, unless you realize your life is hid with Christ in God. That you're light, that you are different. Now you have a place of security. The other night, whenever Wednesday night, we canceled church because of the storms, and across the street from us, we have a gentleman, he just passed away recently, but he told us, it was, it was a, really a sad thing, he walks all the way over, and I realize he do the same thing to my neighbors, he walks all the way over in a rainstorm one night, pouring down rain, knocks on the door, open it up, and I'm like, Bob, can I help you? He said, if, if, it's, if the tornado sirens go off, you can come use my storm shelter. And I said, you want me to take you home? Because his house was on the other street. He said, no, I, I got it. And he walked really slowly back and got soaking wet all the way back to his house. Well, we took him on his word the other night. I'm driving home. Sarah texts me on Wednesday night. We'd, we'd had, we canceled church. We had a staff meeting real quickly. This is about 6.30. We're trying to get out of here. And she says, my mom's at the house with the boys and the TV's not working. So I get on Facebook and I'm watching live while I'm driving. I just live a mile from here. So some of y'all don't, don't get on to me too bad. But I'm listening to David Payne. And, and in David Payne's fashion, you know, Val and the Gittner out there looking around and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, it's at Lindsay and it's coming toward Purcell. And the sirens are going off. So I told Sarah, let's get in the shelter. And we literally, thankfully, we had looked at it. Uh, Robert Bebout goes here, was, 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 lives right beside it. And he had looked in it the other day and realized there's no snakes in there. We didn't look for spiders. We get in there, and the whole thing is covered all the way around with spiders. So we're literally standing like this. I mean, I had to, my pants had spider webs all the way down. Nobody had been in there in a long time. But Bob, thankfully, had left some matches and two candles. So we light those shut the door, and we sit in there. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'm, I've been in Oklahoma long enough, I know what you do. You stand outside looking until the tornado's about to kill you, and then you jump down in the, in the shelter. Okay? But I decided I'm going to go ahead and get in there with my family. We're all just sitting in there. Benjamin's watching something on an iPad, and we're just kind of hanging out, waiting. And you know what the truth is? I wasn't worried. I looked out to see my neighbors out there in the yard, and I'm thinking, glad y'all are out there. I'm staying right down in here right now. And I shut it back, and it would start pouring down rain. You know what? As long as I was in there, I felt safe and secure. If something happened, there's a tree nearby, it fell on us, people knew we were in there. I was good. I'm going to get out of this thing eventually. The Lord is going to be with me. I am safe. There's an old song that says, sheltered in the arms of God. Let the storm
storms rage high, the dark clouds rise, they don't worry me for I'm sheltered safe within the arms of God. And when you realize today your life is hid with Christ in God, we worry about all these things around us that we should. There are some things happening. I get it. It's hard. It's hard not to have anxiety and worry and fear. But we ultimately have to realize my life is not my own. I have been bought with a price and I am hid with Christ in God. I am sheltered in the arms of God. And because of that, I can seek after the right things. Other people may laugh at me, but you know what? I'm not living for their approval. I am living one day to hear one voice that says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Why? Because I didn't live for everybody around me. I lived for Him. I am seeking the right things. I've set my mind and my affections on the right things. And I have crucified the right areas of my life. I am living a crucified life. And when I do that, I realize I am hid in Christ. So no matter what happens around me, I can make it. I can make it because I'm in Him. Devil, come tempt me. I'm in Christ. I don't need all that stuff. I'm in Him. I'm satisfied in Him. Come on, all this stuff happened around me. I am in Him. And when you realize your life is hid, Paul is telling the Colossians, Listen, this is what it means to live the resurrected life. Seek the right things. Put your affections in the right places and begin to live a crucified life. And when you do that, it's a life of... Some of you are thinking, that's the most boring life I could ever live. I promise you this. It will be the most satisfying life you've ever lived. Because there is nothing more satisfying than being in the center of God's will. Being in the center of what God has for you. The peace... And the joy that you can't find anywhere else. The world tries to manufacture it and it cannot do it. But when you find it in Jesus, He will satisfy the longings in your heart. He is the lover of our soul. He is the one we are called to go after. So today, I encourage you, live the resurrected life. Will you stand to your feet? Would our prayer teams join me down here? This podcast is now over. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future messages.